Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. Meditation derives from the truth that everything we see in the natural it has its origins where in the spiritual yes and so it is vitally important for us to continually grow the number of men and women who can contend with spiritual forces they know exactly what to do in the spiritual so that things can continue to improve in the natural. In other words, whatever you have not put in there, don't expect it here. And that's why we talk about manifesting Jesus so that our lives will reveal the kind of authority and power that he wielded while he was here on earth. Can somebody say amen to that? Okay, shall we bow our heads to pray? Father, you know exactly where each one of us is in our spiritual journey. And you know where you want us to be. Oh, Lord our God, through the quickening in your word, take us to where we ought to be. For the desire of our heart is that your kingdom, oh God, your kingdom will prosper in our lives and prosper through us. And that there will arise from here men and women who have become pillars in the kingdom of God, whether they are known or unknown. They have their place in the scheme of things. May that be our portion. For it is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, this is one of those valedictory. Our scripture reading is one of those valedictory statements and speeches of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when you are going away, you know, when you are going away, you are like, I hope these people have gotten this message so that after I am gone, the work can what? Continue. Yes. And that's why when we study those valedictory messages, we have to study them carefully because they are loaded. So we go to John 14 verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, in my name, 
I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not his carrier, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my word. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the quintessential leader, or what you and I may call the leader of all leaders. He did not come from heaven just to teach principles. Principles of life. He came to model them. Okay? So that his disciples could be like him. That's the essence of modeling. If you've watched all these model shows or modeling shows, you know, they, they make a dress, they put it on a lady, and they say, take a walk. And then the lady takes a walk. And what they're saying to the people watching is, if you put on this dress, that's the way you are going to be looking. See, that's what a model is. You, you model so that the people can see what the life is all about. And then, like Peter said, following the footprints. Following the footprints. The question that Adam and Eve had to answer in the Garden of Eden was this. was one question. Could a mortal man with self-will live in consistent conformity with the divine will? Is it possible? Is it possible for someone who has his own will, self-will, to live continually, consistently in the will of God? The answer given by Adam and Eve was 
for a while. <laughs> Just for a while. Okay? Not permanently, no. For a while. The summary and the contrast between them and our Lord Jesus Christ is this. That our Lord Jesus Christ came here to show you and I that it is possible for a human being like himself to live consistently in the will of God. To do everything God's way. To do everything the way God wants it. Jesus came to model that it is possible. And he revealed to us that the secret, of course, is love. That's why he said in uh, John 15, he said, if, if, you, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay? Just as the Father loves me and I abide in his love, I obey the Father and I abide. There is no magic to Christianity. You want to abide in the love of God. You want to be special to God. You see, a lot of people don't realize that. God doesn't make people special. That people position themselves to become special to God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I love the Father, and so I abide in his love. If you love me, you will abide in my love. And that's why Romans 5.19 says to us, because one person, this is the New Living Translation, said, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. That's the way it works. Winding down his ministry on earth, our Lord Jesus centered on the one word on which every response from heaven hinges. Every response of God to man hinges on one word, obedience. Obedience. You want the power of God, you want the glory of God, obedience. That's what love means to God. You know, that's what love means to God, obedience. And that's why Moses could say to Israel in the wilderness, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. And Jesus comes here and says, what love means to God is obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. There is this potential, and I say it everywhere, there is this potential in every believer, no matter who you are, for divine empowerment. You know, a lot of people don't understand divine empowerment. You know, they think that things just happen. They don't just happen. There are people that make them happen. They don't just happen. And that's why you cannot afford to be a Christian and then be a spectator in the challenging events of life and their outcomes. God wants to raise men and women who know, who know 
that are important to God. They know it, that they're important to God because of the prayer requests they receive from heaven. Why do they receive prayer requests from heaven? Because the Bible said, Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image and let the man take what? Dominion. Dominion. Ezekiel 22.30, I saw oppression. I saw iniquity. I saw corruption even amongst the clergy. And then what did he do? I looked for what? A man. Yes, I looked for a man who will stand in the gap to rebuild the walls of righteousness. That's the way New Living Translation put it. To rebuild the wall of righteousness that protects the nation. I looked for a man to rebuild the wall of righteousness that protects the nation. And what was the result? I didn't find any. That's why you and I are here. So that if God looks down from heaven, he will see who? Or who you, do you want him to see? Here now, he will see me. That is the whole idea. That is the whole idea. That if God looks down from heaven, looking for someone to rebuild the wall of righteousness, to stand in the gap, to lift up their hands to heaven and say, Lord, I am here. Because I am here, Lord, spare this place. We saw it in um, the Old Testament. Is there? It's also in the New Testament. That when God went to destroy Sodom, he stopped by the house of Abraham. And Abraham, because of his standing with God, he pleaded with God, if there are 50 righteous people in Sodom, you should spare it for their sake. He said, oh, yes, I will spare it. I'll spare it. What about 45? I'll spare it. What about 40? I'll spare it. Hmm. Okay, what about 30? I will spare it. Okay, what about 20? I will spare it. Okay, one more. What about 10? So I will spare it if I can find 10. Why did Abraham stop? Why did he stop? <laughs> you know, take a guess. Why did he stop? <laughs> because Abraham himself must have said to himself, Sodom, if you can't produce 10 righteous people, I think you deserve to be wiped out. Yes, yes. Ah, 10, only 10. You can't find 10. And you know, every time you read that story, don't be thinking about another person. You know, like you go to some place, uh -uh, if it's in this place, God will uh, uh, find at least 10 people. You say, who will he find? My Sunday school teacher. Very good man. <laughs> very, very good man, my Sunday school teacher. I know he will find, you know. You cannot vouch for another. Do you know why? Nobody knows what is where. In their, yes. That's why God said to Samuel, you are looking at this man outside. I am looking at him where? Yes, I'm looking at him inside. 
You're looking at what he's doing. I'm looking at his heart. You say his heart is not right. So if they, if they call you now to come and point out people whose hearts are not right, can you? No, you don't see their heart. You don't see their heart. And that's why you see, because it's only your own heart that you know. Only your own heart, you know. That's why you can continually purge yourself to position yourself to will power, spiritual power on the earth. To will spiritual power on the earth. Some of the people that you may be thinking that they are the ones wielding spiritual power, they may not be. The people that are wielding spiritual power, you and I may not have heard about him ever. Ever. But before the God of all heaven and earth, they have a standing. They have a standing. That's why we are doing this series. So that you and I can know that that's a way to live so that you can manifest Jesus to the world. The type of power and authority that he had when he was here. Can somebody say amen to that? So, the potential in every believer for empowerment. Everywhere I go, I say that. Don't let anybody tell you that you cannot be empowered. They are not God. You know? Nobody may know your name. Nobody may know your title. You may not have any. But before God, who controls everything, ah, you and God are partners. Serious partners. John 14, 12 says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Someone is bound to ask, reading that verse, can that be literal? Does he really mean it in a literal sense? Okay. The fact that we are asking this question shows that we are considering the possibility, you see, considering in our own lives the possibility of reproducing the Christ life and power. You know, and that's why you can ask, for real, for real? If it is for real, then I need to know how. I need to know how. Can I be empowered like my Lord Jesus? And Jesus says, yes, you can if you believe in me. So the question then is, what does this mean to believe in him? What does it mean? He told his disciples in John 16, 27 to 28, for the father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Verse 28, yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. I have been, you know, you, know, you come to church, you see everybody singing, dancing, clapping, rejoicing, 
But you don't really know what they believe. A man said to me once, he said, I don't know why they're calling God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He said, there is no such thing. There is God the Father, and then there is the Son of God, and then there's the Spirit of God. This whole God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is the creation of man. What does that say to you? What does that say to you? He may be in church, but he doesn't believe that Jesus is God. He doesn't believe. That's why, you see, when you say, whosoever believes, you don't really know what people believe. You're only seeing them, but you don't know what they believe. But John told us in the very first verse of the very first chapter, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was what? Yes, the word was God. You know, and I don't have to even go beyond that to believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is God. Unto us, a child is born. That's the humanity. Unto us, a son is given. And that's the what? Divinity. That is the God. Okay. And what was prepared in the womb of Mary was a body. Okay? You've, you, you, you've seen it in, in Hebrews chapter 10. So when he was coming into the world, he said, you have prepared a what? A body for me. So, so God prepared a body in the womb of Mary. And Jesus put it on like a garment. And when he was here, he was fully God and fully man. But what was the difference? He, uh, Philippians 2 told us. He said, he put all the privileges and all the glories of deity. He put it where? Aside. Yes, he put it aside. <laughs> and lived here like a man. Okay. So, the first thing you have to be sure is that you truly believe in the incarnation. That the word, John 1, 14, that the word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. Because quite a few things hinge on that. When the scripture tells you that, you are to be conformed. You and I, we are to be conformed into the image of Christ. What is this saying? That we are to reveal both the divinity and the what? Humanity. Yes. That God has to express the God life through you and I. The same body. You know, the same body. It is necessary to go deeper in the understanding of scripture so that faith can grow naturally. What does Romans 10, 17 say? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. Yes, that's why we study it. Because it is when you have deep understanding of, of what is. Faith is growing in your heart. You see, knowledge, knowledge drives unbelief. Deeper revelation of who Christ is, what he came to do. It drives unbelief. Yes, you didn't believe before like that, but, be, but, but because you didn't know much about it, 
In fact, you were quite content to, to just dismiss it and, and, and continue. But now you want to know what the whole thing is really all about. What is he really all about? This, this Jesus coming down, you know, from heaven. It is so that you and I can reveal the life of Christ to the world around us. Can somebody say amen to that? So, the incarnate Jesus was the son that was born, the child that was born through Mary, and the son that was given to us by the Holy Spirit. We believe in him, who was fully man and fully God, the one in whom divinity and humanity blended perfectly and blended in what we call sinless perfection. It is important to note that. It blended in sinless perfection so that in the relationship between God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, there is sinless perfection, sinless. So you, what you and I need to then find out is how has God provided for you and I to appear before God in the same what? Sinless perfection. We are not sinless, so, but they have made provision for you and I, when we appear before God, to also appear in sinless perfection because of what Jesus came to do here. We believe in him. You know, and as the scripture tells us, Hebrews 4.15, that he was tempted in how many ways? Every way like we are. And yet what? Without sin. That's what we call sinless perfection. You know, tempted in every way as we are. Now, to bring us then into the same state of sinlessness, the Bible says he shed his blood on Calvary's cross so you and I could be made holy. You know, nobody should treat that statement. A lot of people don't even know the significance of it. But, but you, you know it, you believe it, but you have never really been using it. You have not been using it because you don't know the, the position you and I may not know the position he plays in bringing a man sinless before God. He shed his blood on Calvary's cross so we could be made holy, unblameable. Do you know what that means? Unblameable. In other words, there is once you come into God's presence through the blood of Jesus, Nobody can blame you for anything. <laughs> and then, do you know the next one? The next word used in Colossians chapter 1 is unreprovable. You know what that means? Nobody can reprove you when you appear before God. Under the blood of Jesus, nobody can reprove you. Now, what does that do for you and I? You know, that 
in Christ Jesus, God has made provision for a man to be sinless when he appears before God. What does that impart? It gives us what we call boldness. Hebrews 10, 19. Say, brethren, having therefore what? Boldness. Because you see, because you see, it's a holy God. He hates sin. And, 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 and yet, you are coming there bold, boldly. Because you know that you are coming. And no sin is there, is there to hinder you. No accuser is there to hinder you. Why? Because you believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. You know? And that's why those who truly believe in Jesus, how do you recognize it in them? They're very grateful. What did the Apostle Paul say? 2 Corinthians 5, 14. He said, the love of Christ, what does it do to me? It compels me. Yes. You see, because he has a revelation of what Christ did for, for us before God. And that's why he said, when I think about how boldly I can appear before the God of all heaven and earth, in whose hands are all things. When I think about how boldly I can appear there, I say, Lord Jesus, I do what? I thank you. <laughs> because as undeserving as I am, I can appear with confidence before the God of all heaven and earth. You know, it is so important. And that's why, you see, when I, when I enter there and I pray and I come out, you see, that, that experience is what empowers and assists me to resist what? Temptation. Because I said, ah, look at how they washed me and brought me here. I cannot go back and start rolling in the mud again. Ah, 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 ah. You know, you see, a lot of people don't realize that. You need something to shield you, to, to inspire you, to quicken you, empower you, to resist temptation. And when, I'm, when I talk about temptation, it's not only uh, uh, fornication and adultery. No, 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 no. It's also anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. All these things that creep in, you know. You hear somebody say, Christian, he said, that brother Jones, I will never forgive him. Ah. <laughs> I said, are you serious? He said, you will never forgive him. That thing that man did, I will never forget it. Eh? You see, you see, all those things, what have they come to do? What has the enemy tried to do? He knows, you know, the enemy knows the scripture. Jesus said in uh, Matthew 18, said, if you do not from the heart, he didn't say from the head, from the heart, forgive your brother. Say, God is going to retain all your own uh, sin. Yes, he's going, all the ones that are forgiving you, he's going to bring it all back. Ah, and the enemy knows that. And so when I have been so cleaned out and seen the awesomeness of appearing before God, in sinless perfection, when I know I'm not, ah, then when I get away from there, I am determined to maintain that status. 
Now, I want us to see this because it is sometimes <clears throat> you, you, you know this, but you haven't really seen it in a practical way. But the Bible has it in a practical way. So follow me to Zechariah chapter 3. Follow me to Zechariah chapter 3. So that um, you, you and I have an idea how the system runs. I, 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 I use that expression all the time. That if you are a Christian, you must know how the system runs. Okay? And one of the things that you know, you know, is that everything happens by divine what? Permission. God has to permit it. Okay? And, and that that system of permission also runs with the system of accusation. Okay? So here we go. In Zechariah chapter 3. Then the angel showed me Yeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Yeshua. That is it. What did Joshua come for? That is what we call empowerment. You know, because you know that without empowerment, you and I, you and I, the devil can make mincemeat of us. We have to be empowered. And so he comes before God for empowerment. And the devil has a notebook, a notebook in his hand. Lord God of heaven and earth, before you empower this man, let me read for you some of the things he has been uh, up to. Uh. <laughs> and then he starts to read. He starts to read. He has starts to read from his book. And then they take a look at Joshua. What did they see? The man was covered in what? Filth. That's what I said to brethren. I said, listen, if the devil accuses you before God, that accusation must be true. It must be true. Do you know why? You can only tell lies to someone who doesn't know the truth. You know that? You cannot tell lies to someone who knows the truth. Yes. So the devil cannot tell lies before God. God knows the truth. And so when he's reading accusation against a man before God, then it must be true. It must be true. And that's why they said, take a look at Joshua. He was covered with what? Filthy. Filthy. Okay. But then, that divine permission, okay? Look at that divine permission working in verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan, I reject your accusations. Of course, that's what we call sovereignty. Sovereignty. It's not one plus one equal two. No, it doesn't work like that. That is the sovereign God. He decides. He said, I reject these accusations. You know, he didn't say they're not true. He said, but I reject them. <laughs> That's what we call sovereign grace. You know, see, if you, are a, if you are a beneficiary of sovereign grace, you know, they accused you and heaven said, no, this one will not stand because this man is covered in the blood of Jesus. He won't stand. That is what sovereign grace is all about. And you see, that's why when you wash yourself in the blood of Jesus, you are confident. Why are you confident? Because you know they won't find that 
whatever it is that they're going to have, they will not find it. They will not find it. And it's not they will not find it, but it has implications. It has implications. And you know the implications also. I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. What does that mean? See, this man, because of what he has done, burning stick is already in the fire. But what have we done? Pulled him out. Mm. Pulled him out. You see, when you hear that, you go away with a heart filled with what? Gratitude. And that's why, you see, how, that's how you know whether you are really, uh, um, not only that you are genuinely saved, but you have understanding of what transpired. You know, it's, it's like, it's like um, uh, um, 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 a, a, a gentleman um, um, graduated brilliantly with flying colors from the university, you know, but he didn't know who paid his fees. Only the father knew. <laughs> so he comes to church and, and the father said, you see that man sitting there? Go and greet him. He said, ah, why? How should I greet him? <laughs> Please go and greet him. I know something you don't... Uh, uh, yes. Yes. You see, some people are beneficiaries, but they are not grateful because they don't understand it. But when you are a beneficiary and you actually understand what transpired, ah, they are very grateful. So others may trifle. Others may trifle with their faith. You can't afford because you know what happened. You know what transpired. And you know the benefit that you derive from it. You know the boldness and the confidence. That you could say to every enemy that, that, that confronts you, you don't even dare. Oh, yes. Why do you say that? Because you know, you know the system. You know the way it runs. Yeshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off, take off. Notice that there is nothing that can be done until sin has been what? Dealt with. Yes. So that you yourself, when, you, when you're coming before God and you haven't dealt with sin, ah, then you're going to hinder yourself. Nothing can be done until sin is dealt with. That's why when you hear preachers who say, they're always talking about sin, 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 sin. I said, the preacher doesn't have understanding. He doesn't have understanding. That nothing can be done until sin is dealt with. Take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Yeshua, he said, see, I have taken away your what? Your sins. I have taken them away. And now I'm giving you these fine new clothes. So that, so that the man is now unrecognizable <laughs> from the man that appeared before God. Now it's unrecognizable. Okay? Completely unrecognizable. Then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head 
and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Okay, so they, they cleaned him out. They covered his head. That's why the Bible calls it the helmet of what? Salvation. Yes, they have their heads covered with the helmet of salvation. They're not taking chances. Okay? So now that the man is cleaned out, now that the man has his head covered, he's now ready for what? Empowerment. Yes. Yes. So, so nobody, that's why, you see, when you have a revelation of this, when you have an understanding of it, you cannot trifle with sin in your life, no matter how big or how small. You cannot afford to trifle with sin. You can't. Because you know what it does in the way the system runs. You know, uh, 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 um, 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 today, I was trying to uh, um, change. I, I, I tried to upload something to the Medical Council of Nigeria. They told me that I can't upload, that it is a JPG file. I have to convert it to PDF. I tried up, I tried down, I couldn't convert it. Somebody told me, somebody told me simple. I said, yes, it may be simple, but I don't, uh, I don't know it. I don't know it. I had to leave my house, drive somewhere. Where they converted it from, is <laughs> it? It may be simple, but if you don't know it, you see the whole idea about knowing how the system runs, how it works, is that if there is some hitch somewhere, you know exactly what to do. Yes, to get it right, to get it going again. You know that's why you, you, some people are in certain situations. So you listen. And then you say to them, you won't find the solution the way you are. Yes, the system doesn't run like that. You see, that's the advantage. You know the way the system runs. And you know when people are headed in the wrong direction. You, you, you can't find a solution on that road. So now... When this man has been cleaned out thoroughly, the angel of the Lord approaches him. The Bible uses the word solemnly. You know what that means? It's like it beckons to him. Yeshua, come, come, sit down. Now, I want to tell you what God has said. So what has he said? Verse 7. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. If you follow my ways, okay, number one, and carefully serve me, not serve me anyhow, carefully serve me, okay? What is going to happen? Empowerment, you see? Empowerment is going to come naturally to you, okay? Then you will be given authority. That's it authority over my temple and his courtiers. That's what we call spiritual authority. You know, that a man can lift up his hand and say, Lord, I stand here like Elijah said, 
you know, as God lives, before whom I stand, before whom I stand, I stand before God, even though I'm in your, I'm your house, but I stand before God. Say so there will be no rain here until I, Elijah, what? Say so. Yes, that is authority. That's authority, you know. Authority that heaven backs. They don't back it for nothing. They don't back it for nothing. You know, that's why I told you that nobody may know your name. Did you see how um, um, First Kings 17, 1, did you see how it reads? You know, First Kings 17, 1, it says, and Elisha the Tishbite. And Elisha, where did he come from? You know, no history, no pedigree, nothing. And Elisha the Tishbite, he just appeared. That is it. We call it nameless, faceless, nameless, faceless, nameless. They don't need to know you. They don't need to know who you are. They don't need to know where you come from. But you speak for who? God Almighty, yes. You speak for God. You speak for God. And you know, like the Apostle Paul, or like the book of Hebrews tells us, if, if a man of the Old Testament, the, a, a worse covenant than what we have, can say that, ah, you and I should be able to say more. Can somebody say amen to that? Okay. So, the angel said, if you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtiers. Now, the next statement is very powerful. He said, I will let you walk among these others standing here. Now, where was this conversation taking place? It's in heaven. Who are the others standing here? Angels. What do they come from? For empowerment. And what was that empowerment for? To carry out the divine what? Order. Order. Anybody who wants to carry out the divine order, you need empowerment. Need empowerment. So, 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 so this, he says to Joshua, do you know that you can be like these angels? You know, and with the capacity and the liberty to come in and out of the divine what? Presence. You can. You can come in and out of the divine presence. So, men are on earth, praying on earth. But Joshua, you can come in here and pray where? In heaven. Pray in heaven. You know, others are praying on earth. Joshua, they say you can come and be praying in heaven. Okay? You can come and be listening to the conversation of heaven. Even though you are living where? On earth. Yes. So, it is important to understand, you know, how the system runs, okay? And then he says in verse 8, listen to me, O Joshua, the high priest, and all you other priests, you are what? Symbols of things to come. Yes, you are the hope. Those of you who can come into the presence of God, those of you who can come in and out, go in and out of the presence of God, you are the symbols of the hope. 
to come. Yes, if they say, if they say there is a, a glorious future, it is you that the ones carrying that glorious future. Because you can come in and out of the divine presence. They asked me to speak uh, um, in, at the Congress um, on um, um, glorious um, 2021. It was glor I think it was either 2020 or 2021. I can't remember now. And I remember I said to them, I said to them, I can only tell a, a non-believer that uh, 2020 or 2021 will be, glo will be glorious, I can tell you. But I cannot tell you as a believer. <laughs> How can I tell you? You know, you're supposed to be able to be going in and out of the divine. Uh, yes, you should hear for yourself. You should hear for yourself. Whether you're 2021 or 2020 will be good. Yes, I can't be telling you. I can tell an unbeliever. But you see, I told him, I said, after I have told an unbeliever that 2020 or the new year will be okay, I will now have to go. You know, you know what Moses did in, a, in, a, in a, a, a Exodus chapter 8? You know, when the frogs were, were climbing over Pharaoh at, at, at dinner table. So Pharaoh called Moses. Moses said, okay, Pharaoh, you know what? I want you to choose when you want the frogs to, to leave you. Pharaoh said, by tomorrow morning, and Moses said, tomorrow morning it will be. Okay. Then Moses goes to God and says, <laughs> what the Bible said is that Moses, Moses prayed to God, and then by the next morning, the frogs left. But you can imagine, you know, I, I, can, I, can, I can enter into that conversation between Moses and God. Because he would have gone to God and said, I have promised Pharaoh that the frogs will leave him tomorrow morning. Please, I want you to do what? Endorse me. I want you to endorse me. I have given my word to Pharaoh. But by tomorrow morning, the frogs will leave. Please endorse me. That is it. That is it. You see, people who go in and out of the divine presence, they don't pray like men pray on earth. No, they pray in heaven. They appear before God. That's what God, um, the, the angel was saying to Zechariah, uh, uh, to Joshua, rather, the high priest. He said, you don't need to join them praying on earth. I want you to start coming up to where? Yes, come and pray here. Join these people who are standing here. Join them so that you really get the, the, the reality of how things work. Now, can you imagine if you got that revelation and then from today, instead of joining people praying on earth, you are now praying where? Yes. That, that would totally, radically transform your life because you will be hearing what many people are not, uh, oh yes, yes, you see? And believe you me, nobody needs to know your name. No, they don't need to know your village. <laughs> they say, where does it come from? So could you go out aside? Ah, people from there, I don't think they can have any power with God. They say, sorry, they don't do it by geography. <laughs> 
They do it by relationship. By relationship. You are symbols of things to come. And soon, I'm going to bring my servant the branch. Why is he bringing him? So that what is special to Joshua will become what? That is it. That's why he was bringing the branch. So that this thing we are talking about that is peculiar to Joshua. Okay, they didn't tell everybody. It, Jesus is going to come and open it up to everybody. So that you and I can wield spiritual power and authority where we are, no matter who we are. Can somebody say amen to that? So notice the process. So, because you see, this is what we call an um, uh, 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 um, uh, academic approach. Notice the process that the first thing they did was to clean Joshua out, you know? So nobody, nobody is rushing around thinking, oh, you know, I've given my life to Christ 10, 20 years ago, you know, so I can be going in another cell. Eh? They didn't say that to me. They didn't say that, that if you give your life to Christ 20 years ago, then you can be going in and out. No, they didn't say that. The day Joshua appeared, that day he was filthy. That day he had to be cleansed before he could be what? Empowered. Okay? He had to clear up. He had to. Now, a burning stick snatched out of the fire of judgment was cleared of all filthiness by sovereign grace. That's what we call it, sovereign grace. Because it's the Almighty that decided, quash these accusations, quash them. Put a clean robe on the man. That's what we call sovereign grace, undeserving. Okay? And after this, his head was covered with a high priestly turban, signaling complete restoration. So that takes us, you know, immediately to Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, and he first, remember, always first, what did he first do? Washed us from our sins in his own blood. Okay? And then he made us what? Kings and priests to his God and Father, to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay? So Joshua is our prototype, king and priest, authority to rule. And then the priest access into the holy of holies. Yes. Access into the holy of holies from where the power comes. So Joshua is a prototype. We first need to be cleansed of our sins before we can be fully restored and empowered. Notice that it was after this restoration and the promise of After this restoration, that the promise of empowerment was made to Joshua. Okay? Yes, 
We understand that the authority over the temple, which signifies spiritual authority, but what about the promise to allow Joshua to walk among those others standing here? What does that mean? This is the authority to come before his most holy presence for instruction, for empowerment, in the way Moses spoke with God face to face for instruction and empowerment. There is nothing like that. Instruction and empowerment. Exodus 34, 29 says, Then Moses came down from Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets of the agreement in his hands. But he did not know that his face was shining because he had talked with who? With the Lord. That is it. After you have been in the presence of the God of all heaven and earth, you know, the glory reflects on you. And you don't need now to know whether you are empowered because that glory speaks for itself. That this man has been empowered, you know. And that's why, you see, when you enter into that presence and you sense the, the, the vibrations of the anointing, the vibrations of his presence, you don't need to be told that God has touched you. And you can make decrees, you know. You, you, can, you, can, you can bundle uh, principalities and powers to the abyss. You don't, you don't need to be told that something has happened to you. Empowerment, therefore, is here revealed by the reflection, the glory of the Lord. Moses was revealed to the Hebrews as a man who stands in the presence of God, like the angels. This is the promise made to Joshua, the high priest, in Zechariah 3.7. I will let you walk among these others standing here. I will let you mingle with the angels in my presence for instruction and empowerment. Can somebody say amen to that? Okay, now, we have to now process, okay? We have to now process our own holiness, you see? Because since you now know that you cannot go there like that, so you see, you are deliberate. When you kneel down to pray, you are very deliberate. You have to process your own holiness. You have to process your own sinlessness. Sinlessness. You have to process it. That's what this knowledge is about. That's what it's about. So that when I kneel down, I know what to do. I know what to do. Okay? How do we process our holiness and righteousness before the throne of God? Because this is fundamental to communion, to instruction, to empowerment. The answer is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. So brothers and sisters, we are completely free to enter the most holy place without fear because of the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice on Calvary. We can enter, verse 20 says, we can enter through a new and living way that Jesus opened for us. Okay? It leads us through the veil. It leads us through the curtain. And what is that curtain? It says it is Christ's body. You know? So when we are, when we are coming into the the, the divine presence, 
the most holy place, the greatest place in all of the universe, the very presence of Almighty God. See, you wash yourself the blood of Jesus. And what does that make you? Holy. What does that make you? Unblameable. What does that make you and I? Unreprovable. You wash yourself in the blood of Jesus, you are holy. <laughs> you are holy. That's why they gave it to us. You are holy. That to him that first, he first washed us in his own blood. And so when a man kneels down and says, Lord, as I appear before you, I first wash myself in the what? In the blood of Jesus. When you say that, you see, somebody may think you are just making an ordinary statement. No, you have a revelation. Second Corinthians 7.1, having therefore a boldness to cleanse ourselves. The Bible says, cleanse ourselves from all what? Filthiness, filthiness in two dimensions of flesh and what? Spirit. See? When a man washes himself in the blood of Jesus, he purges himself of all, not some, all filthiness of flesh and spirit. That's deep. Because that tells you about things that are deep inside, you know, that can hinder a man, you know. And that's why, you see, um, something may happen and you catch yourself thinking certain thoughts. And then you can turn around and say to the devil, I don't know why you are going in that direction because I'm not going with you. <laughs> I do not know why you are following that trend of thought. I am not going with you because I know I shouldn't be going in that direction. So you can continue by yourself. Oh, yes. That's why we say such things, you know, in our struggles. Continue. I just leave me out of it. Absolutely. And that's why the Bible says, but suppose I indulged because of some hurt, because of some pain. I followed him some way. Before I realized, oh, whoa, I'm headed in the wrong uh, direction. Yes. He said, you, you purge yourself of all filthiness of flesh and spirit. Okay. So, so that ensures that we are holy as we appear before God. Okay. But then what about that curtain? What about that curtain? He said he created a new and living way. You know, this is an analogy from the Old Testament because after the high priest has made the sacrifice and, and, and atoned for his own sins, okay, then before he, he enters the Holy of Holies, he had to pass through the veil and he will enter there with what? blood again, blood again, you know. So, so, but the Bible says that this curtain now is the blood of, is the body of Christ, not the blood now. It is the body of Christ. Now, the question is, what does that represent? One of the helps I have received in the understanding of that part of the scripture. I don't know how many people have eaten um, chocolate 
vanilla ice cream. Have you eaten chocolate vanilla ice cream? The one that is on the stick. Huh? Do you know how they make it? <laughs> you know? They will first of all make the vanilla. Okay? I've seen, I've watched it. They will make the vanilla. Then they will freeze it. Then they will make a colloidal uh, chocolate uh, solution. And then they will dip that vanilla inside that chocolate mix. And then it will dry and they will freeze it again. So that when that vanilla dips into that chocolate, it comes out what? Huh? Totally covered. Oh, you haven't eaten it before? Oh, okay. I have eaten it several times. <laughs> you know, but you see, when you bite into it, you can see the coating of chocolate breaking up. Abi? Uh-huh. Yes. So, so see, th this is what happens when a man comes through the body of Christ. What does he get covered in? The righteousness of who? Christ, yes. Do you know why? It is that righteousness that makes the man completely blameless. You know, I was telling you about sinless perfection. We construct our own through what Christ has done. That when I'm washed in the blood of Jesus, when I come through the curtain, which is his body, I emerge on the other side, completely covered in the righteousness of Christ. And when I am covered in the righteousness of Christ, I am absolutely what? Sinless. That is it. That is it. That's why you see, when you understand it, you don't rush into the divine presence. No, no. You have to prepare yourself. Just like the high priest. There's no high priest that will just come and then walk into the Holy of Holies. What will happen to him? Eh? Yes, so he'll be dead now. He'll be dead. <laughs> if he comes and just, and just walks into the Holy of Holies like that, ah, he'll be dead. He'll be dead. And so, because, because I know that I'm about to do serious business. Serious. I, I wash myself in the blood of Jesus. I clothe myself in the righteousness of Christ. And then I appear in the presence of Almighty God. And what do I do there? I join them. What do they do there? The Bible tells us. Revelations 4, 8. They do not rest by day or by night. And what are they doing there? They're singing what? Holy. See, when the living creatures give glory to him who sits on the throne, the four and twenty elders, they bow down and they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, everybody needs to stop and consider what is going on there. Because that's where you want to go. You want to join them. You see, when they give God glory, 
Listen carefully, my brethren. When they give God glory, what do they declare? His holiness. Oh, yes, you can thank God. Oh, yes. You know, I enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. But when I come into his presence, the only way I can give him glory and praise is to declare his what? His holiness. Because it is, the, it is what makes him unique. It is what makes him unique. His holiness. That's why 1 John 1, 5 said, this is the message we heard from Jesus, which we declared to you, that God is light, and in him is what? No darkness at all. Yes. And that's how they give worship it holy and holy and holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you know, when I joined them there, having been cleansed, having been purged, having been purified, having been totally cleansed of everything that can hinder me, everything that can hinder me, no matter what it is, I've been cleansed. Then I joined them there. And that's when all of a sudden, you know, revelations, communion, you know, questions are being answered. They have given me instruction what to do. Yes, that's how to operate. You see, that's how an ordinary person, I tell you, nobody knows your name. Nobody knows you at all. But every day, you appear before who? The God of all heaven and earth. Oh, yes. You appear there. So that you can be taught, instructed, and empowered. Okay? So it is important. It is important for you and I to, to take this in. You know? To take this in. Rewind it to John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, he will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I am going to be with my father. What does that mean? That when I'm joining the angels and worshiping God, declaring his holiness, who is there noticing me? Jesus. Why? I came there because of him. You know? And there was no way I would have gotten there because without him. Okay? And that's why the Bible says he sits there and he's making what? Intercession. Yes, yes. He's saying to the Father, that's one of my people. <laughs> that's one of my people. <laughs> you know, they're committed to your will on earth. The same way I was committed to your will on earth. That is it. You know, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. So that you and I can learn the holiness we use to enter the most holy presence is the holiness we receive by faith by which we enter God's presence without fear through the blood of Jesus. That's why it's by faith. That's why Jesus said, if you believe in me, if you believe in me, if you believe in what the work I have come to do, if you believe in what I have done, what I've established for you, if you believe it, ah, then the works I, that I did, you will do also. Yes, you will do also. If you believe it. And what shows that you believe it? It's not that you have heard it and you say, yes, I really believe it. No, it's that you believe it. 
you live by it every day, every day. You kneel down. That's what you do. You enter the holy of what? Holies. And worship with the angels. And, and, and bow at his feet. Okay. All right. Uh, we, I think we will, because I know that uh, you guys are sticklers for time. I have to stop now. Okay. So it is important then to, to, to note that God Almighty, he wants us to practice this daily, daily, morning, every time you come back to pray, don't take anything for granted. Because I tell you something personal. You know, before I used to uh, 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 struggle with spiritual warfare, honestly. Because every time you sense an attack, you'll be praying, you'll be speaking in tongues, you'll be binding. Uh, after he opened my eyes, I get into the holy of holies. Okay? I worship with the angels. I just make a decree. If, if I hear fib, <laughs> all of you to the abyss. That is it. Because there is no power greater than there. There is no power greater than there. That is it. That is it. That's why he said to uh, Joshua in Zechariah 4, not by might, not by power, but what? By my spirit, says a lot of us. You know, who, who are the ones who said that Zerubbabel won't do it? The hands of Zerubbabel, he has laid the foundation of this house. His hand will what? He will complete it. You know, who has despised the days of small beginnings? Yes. Yes. There may be nobody, nowhere. Some people may think, uh, leave people like that, they don't count. Uh, <laughs> don't worry about them. <laughs> continue. Continue on this path. You'll be so surprised what will happen. Can somebody say amen to that? Okay. You, you wanted us to take questions? Huh? On Friday. Okay. I have quite a few, a lot of people online. So if you have questions online or you have questions in house there, can you just indicate? You can still take about one or two. Online, if you have questions, you can mute yourself. Oh, okay. Put it in the, in the chat box, we'll read it. But if you're in, in the house there, you can ask a question. Anybody? Thank you very much sir, for um, this, this uh, great teaching. Um, the point that I was, I mean, that was agitating my mind had to do with uh, Job. You know, you talked about Satan cannot lie against anyone before God because God knows the truth. But I'm wondering whether what 
Satan was telling God about Job was the truth. So that's just, you know, as we said. In my no, mind, but you know, Satan didn't really say anything about Job. It was God who was boasting about Job. Have you seen my servant Job? There's no other man like him. He fears God. He does. And, and Satan was saying, does Job serve God for nothing? Yes. It's because you've blessed him. So God, Job served God. That he was serving God because of what God was doing for him. Yes, yes. That's yes. the point. Well, well, there is no doubt that that is part of it. You know, when a man is so blessed, there's nothing wrong in saying that, uh, you know, um, it's when he was tested that we found out that it is more than that. In other words, when Job said, even though he slay me, yet will I uh, serve him? Yes. Because we saw then that, you know, yes, contrary. That's not the only reason why uh, Job was serving. But also, if you listen to Job during all that uh, 30 something of dialogue with his friends, you will know that Job is a very arrogant man. So, you see, when, when Bible, when God declares a man good before him, it does not mean he doesn't do anything wrong. No. Look at Abraham now. Abraham was a great man before God. But you know how many times he told lies, Abby? No, this Sarah is my wife, it's my sister. <laughs> and so, so it doesn't mean that human beings are perfect outside of grace. No, it is the unawesome grace of God. Yes, sir. There's a question online. Yes, sir. I don't understand that part about entering through the blood and the, and the body. About what? About entering through the blood and the body. Oh, yes. Yes, that is it. Because, you see, I told you that uh, uh, it's a matter of sinless perfection. That's the way Jesus lived it. Sinless perfection. You and I cannot attain to sinless perfection. We are human beings. We cannot. But they have given us a system to attain to sinless perfection before God. And what is that system? The blood cleanses us from what? All sin. And the Apostle Paul says this, filthiness of flesh and spirit, both. Okay, so now when we enter through the body, that's when we clothe ourselves with the righteousness of Christ so that we can be completely blameless, spotless before God. Yes, because we cannot, we cannot attain on to that on our own. It's not possible. It is not possible. That's what the Hebrews is saying. You, you come through the blood, then you come through the veil, and that veil is his body, and that body is the righteousness, because that's what we take. When we come through the body, we take on the righteousness of Christ. That's why the Bible calls it the breastplate of uh, righteousness. Yes, you put it on, it covers you, so that you know, Jesus told us about it in the parable of the, wedding of the wedding garment. You remember? He went to the highways and byways and invited everybody to come. If we did that today, there would be mechanics, orange sellers, plantain sellers. All of those people would be in the party. But the Bible says only one man did not have a what? 
a wedding garment. What is the moral of the story? The wedding garment is provided by the host. So even if you're a granite seller or a plantain seller, when you come to the door of the uh, banquet hall, you do your hand like this. And then they put on the wedding garment and everything, you're covered totally. But the secret is, don't lift it, oh, don't lift it. Oh. I can't guarantee what you will see. <laughs> that is it. So, so I appeared before God totally covered and, and spotless. You know, that's what Jesus did. That's why the apostle Paul said, the love of Christ, what? Compels me. See, once you have a revelation of what transpired, you are loyal, you are loyal, you are loyal. Particularly when you experience empowerment in the presence of God, you are loyal. Because you know there's no way you could attain to that except through Christ. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for the... But I want a clarification as a Christian based on the background with which I was coming from before I finally came uh, for square. Uh, we have this belief that being a Christian, that uh, when we are praying, it's not proper for us at every point in time that we come to the presence of God, we're always asking for forgiveness of our sin. That being a Christian, it is expected that you are holy, you are, you are righteous, so you, you don't uh, make sin as a part of you, such that each time you come to the presence of God, then you always ask for forgiveness. That, that, that is uh, taking God for granted. So I, I think I'm used to that, uh, that uh, notion that as a Christian, yeah, it's good that we ask for forgiveness, but it should not be uh, a common thing or something that is Every day that you come to the test of the do you, presence do you, of the Lord. Do you know why I'm opening my mouth? You say it's a four square belief. No, 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 no. Where I was coming from before I came to four square. I was born again at four square, but then when I got married, I went to another church. Yeah, my pastor had told okay, me. Okay, it's in that church that they're teaching this, eh? Yes. That you don't have to worry about sin again. Since no, you're a that Christian. I should not worry about sin, but that each time I come to the presence of the Lord, I don't take it as a, a, a habit. Always asking for forgiveness uh, of sin. But you look at the Old Testament. Are you saying that the high priest can come some days and say, I, I think I'm okay today? Ah, he will be dead. He will be dead. You see, the reason is that David, David was wise in Psalm 19. He said, Deliver me from presumptuous sin. Ah, when you know. When you, they don't have to tell you that you're a sinner. Think about all the thoughts of your heart. You know, a lot of people think that sin is when they catch you in bed with another man's wife or husband. No, think about all the thoughts of your heart. Somebody that does, does something, think about all the, do you know that a lot of wickedness tra, 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 traverses through the mind of, of, of a man? No. Ah, there's so much evil. So, so you see, what, what they're trying to suggest is that um, um, don't, don't, don't be thinking about sin. You are not thinking about sin. You are thinking about holiness. And that holiness is spotless, spotless. You are not thinking about sin. It's holiness. You want to make sure when you are appearing before God that you are what? Oh, yes. 
And to make sure you're holy, you have to be cleansed. I cannot take chances. I have to be cleansed in the blood of Jesus. You see, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, they're trying to make co people comfortable. That's how you can have people in church. They're, 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 they're doing horrible things, but they're comfortable in their sin. Because people are telling you, I've given your life to Christ. Don't worry. Everything is being uh, taken care of. Then what they have also done to people who believe that is that they have made it impossible for them to participate in the battle of life. Because it's only when you come into that holy presence that you're empowered. And to come there, uh, you see the ways Joshua came there. You know, he was cleansed. He was uh, re-robed in, in clean clothes. And then was given opportunity for empowerment. See, we, we, we have to follow the Bible. Don't follow men. No. You know, that's what Jesus said. They're teaching for doctrine. The commandments of men. You know, that, that some people are saying that super grace, that super grace, that when you sin, you don't need to worry again. You just declare, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And then you continue. And then you sin again, I'm the righteousness of God. What type of madness is that? You know, think about it. Look at, you, you have your leg on the way, and I step on it. I say, ah, you're stepping on my leg. You say, ah, I'm the righteousness of God now. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, it's terrible. You know, I'm the righteousness of God. By the way, why is your leg blocking the way? Don't you know that you should remove your leg from the road? Anyway, I'm the righteousness of God. Can you imagine? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, there must be humility. You see, everybody needs to be humbled before God and penitent. You know, say, Lord, please, oh, you know, please, oh, you know. It, you know, there are even things that you do that are wrong, but it didn't occur to you when you were doing them. It was later when you appeared before God, they said, but that thing you said, that thing you did, it's not right. Then you repent, you know. Oh, yes, please don't let anybody, because you see, they're robbing you of empowerment. If you do not always come before God, cleaned up, always cleaned up. Amen. Okay. Considering all the distractions in the present age. <laughs> and then the second one is closely related to that. We've been binding demons and sending them to the abyss. I'm wondering, do they keep replicating, seeing that they never finish? <laughs> okay, those are very interesting questions. Okay, okay, so now, now, how to stay in the presence of God? That is the real challenge of life. But the, the more I do this, you know, you know, when Moses left God, the Bible said the glory lingered. That is what I want. So I'm staying long enough. I stay long enough that when I come out, okay, you know, I've stopped, I've finished praying, but now I'm communing with the spirit. The glory lingers. Okay, it is the glory that lingers. And, and that's what keeps me in that presence because then I'm, the Holy Spirit and I are in constant uh, communion. And to maintain that communion, by the way, you ask questions, okay? You ask questions. This thing uh, my wife has done, this thing my husband has said, how should I uh, respond? Yes, I'm careful 
you know, you and I, we have to be careful so that, so that you, don't, you don't respond in the flesh. Because the Bible says, they that are in the flesh, they cannot please God, you know. So you see, there are people niggling you all the time. People niggling you. They niggle you at work, you know. They niggle you at work. They niggle you on the road, you know. You can be tri- uh, 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 driving on the road. Somebody just come and turn in front of you, do like this. And you're like, ah, what is going on? They'll point at you. Your head is not correct. Ah, my own head is not correct. You're the one that uh, drove. You're you are telling me my own head is not correct. And then you want to come out and say, my head is not correct. You Did you say my head is not correct? <laughs> I've seen people do that. All kinds of things niggle you. And that's why you see, after you finish all that, when you come to pray, ah, 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 you have to clean up. You have to clean up. Nobody should uh, deceive themselves. There's so much we are up against daily living. Okay, now, confining devils to the abyss. You know, very interesting. But there are so many things in the Bible that teach us that, yes, what we are, what we are doing is working. It is working. Even now in this country, I know it's working. Even now in the world, when we started all these prayers, I look all over the world. Do you know that only recently that you can say that wars have ceased on the earth? Before, there was no way. There must be war somewhere. There must be war somewhere. But quietly look at the world. You know, is it that they've, they've forgotten how to fight now? Uh-huh. Things are happening. People are exercising spiritual authority. And there is some kind of calm that is descending on the world. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. They thought the Syrian war would not end. It's, it's, it's come down. Everywhere you turn, there is some calm. There's some spiritual influence. You know? And that's how these things work. And don't forget also that it is not one plus one equal two. Why? Because God said to Abraham when he said, how do I know that I will inherit this land? And then God said, let me show you what is going to happen. Your descendants, they will be slaves for 400 years in a country that is not here, okay? And after 400 years, I will bring them back here. What reason did he give? You remember the reason? He said, because the iniquity of the Amorites is not complete. There are some things that, even if you cast out all the demons in the world to the abyss, okay? If there are certain things that are restraining God, and what is restraining God in this regard? Divine justice. He said, I cannot dispossess the Amorites until their iniquity is what? Complete. Yes. So it doesn't matter how you bind though. You know, it's the same thing we read in Psalm 75. You know, he said promotion. It does not come from the east or from the west. He said God is the judge. Eh? He pulls down one person and then he elevates another. Unfortunately, the man that is, is sitting where you are going is sinning very slowly. You know, 
The sin he was supposed to complete in five years, in seven years, he's still there. Are you going to say, oh God, please sin very fast. I want to, to replace you. Ah. Such prayers will never be. Uh -uh. So, so these are the, God opens our eyes to see that some things are controlled by that. You know, some things are controlled because there's divine justice and, and, and God has to be just in how many ways? All. The Bible says God is righteous in all his ways. What does that mean? Nobody can go to God and say, you removed us before our iniquity was uh, complete. Nobody can say that. Because God is a righteous God. All, not some. So it doesn't matter how you and I pray. It is the divine will that the Bible says, many are the thoughts of a man, but the counsel of the Lord, that's what will stand. Okay, it's the divine will that will prevail. That's why Abraham's descendants, they, they, they possessed after 430 years. Not even 400. The people were sinning slowly. Yes, and there's nothing you can do. <laughs> Praise God. All right, shall we stand? Shall we stand? Okay, we'll take that, uh, that, uh, that special hymn. Um, uh, on Friday. We start taking it on Friday. Okay. Lift up your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, I cleanse myself. I cleanse myself fully in the blood of Jesus. I cleanse myself fully in the blood of Jesus. And now I clothe myself in the righteousness of Christ. As I enter into your most holy presence, oh God, and I join the angels and the archangels to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The one who was and is and is to come. Heaven and earth, they reveal your glory. Oh, I worship your presence. I worship your most holy presence. I give you honor and praise. Unholy and holy and holy and holy and holy and holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, who was and is and is to come. Yes, my brother, my sister, enter into that presence and enter it every day, every day. And worship with the angels. And seek empowerment. So empower me, oh God. To declare your will. Unshakable in my life and in my world. Empower me, oh God. As I worship in your presence. As I join the angels. To declare your holiness. Empower me, oh God. To move all the powers contrary to your will and your way in my life. Move them to the abyss. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench the thirsting of my 
soul, bread of heaven, fill me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill the cloth, and make me Fill my cup, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirst in our Father and our God, as we appear in your most holy presence, may it please you to empower us, to touch us, to equip us, and to send us forth to establish your will and your purposes on the earth. That Lord, the kingdom of God will prosper in our lives everywhere we go. To the glory of your most holy name. For it is in Jesus' precious name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.